Hello and welcome to another episode of The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and I'm sitting in the nice um, reflected surroundings of the Triscoll uh, Hall. So you might get some ambience and some atmosphere in the background, but I'm uh, delighted to say that I'm sitting next to Jonathan Pearson, who, um, well, we were running through kind of your list of credits Credits? I don't know if that's the right word. Um, that uh, just before we start, you know, just, oh, what's your title here? What's your title there? And it's quite a lot of stuff that you've been involved in. And that's kind of why I wanted to chat to you, just kind of like, you know, just being around all these creative people all the time and what, what that is actually like. I guess the main reason why you're here is because you're involved in two shows at the Dublin Fringe Festival, which is, which is actually starting today when we're recording, September 10th. Your shows run um, later on, so I don't know if you just want to explain, first of all, what, what the two shows are. Yeah, no worries. So for the Fringe, um, there's a band that I am the manager of uh, called This Is How We Fly, and they are doing their biggest ever Dublin show uh, in the Spiegel tent of, on, on Marion Square. So basically, This Is How We Fly is, this is a really interesting show because, so the Fringe Festival in 2010 commissioned Cuivin O'Rahelig, the fiddle player, to like form a music group for the Fringe. So he chose a Swedish drummer, an American dancer, and an Irish clarinet player, and he was like, let's form a band for this one thing at the Fringe. They all came together. It went really well. Six years later, they're still a band. And uh, now we're doing our biggest show at the Dublin Fringe. And hope it sells very well. <laughs> and other than that, uh, there's a group that I work for um, called Bottle Note, who are an improvised kind of jazz music collective in Dublin. Um, and they have a really beautiful show called Bleed, um, which is in an abandoned building um, on North Great George Street in Dublin. So uh, like you kind of go in the front door, you're brought into the first room, there's a musician there, and then you're, kind of, you're walked around the house with a different musician in each room. So there's a core group of five musicians each night, and then there'll be like a special guest each evening. And the cool thing about it is, it's re- the reason it's called Bleed is because there's ten performances, two a night. And each performance is recorded. So like the first performance on day one will be recorded. And then that's played back during the second performance of day one. So the first performance is played back in a manipulated sense. And then the improvising musicians will play to that. So even though you're at one gig, you're kind of listening to the manipulated version of the gig before. They're bleeding into each other. So it's all very cool that way. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's what I'm doing at the Fringe anyway. And, and I guess just uh, the dates of that. The dates for Bleed are September 1st to 25th. And yeah. the two performances are, are when those days? They're at half seven and quarter past nine. Because the dates are wrong on the Fringe brochure. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, it's a nightmare. But um, yeah, so it's on the 21st to the 25th, at half seven and quarter past nine. And this is how we fly are on at 7 p.m. on the 18th of September. So that's going to be an amazing night in the Spiegel tent because this is how we fly are doing our show at seven and then at nine uh, it's Shukra and Rosangano family in the same hall. So that's going to be a great night. Wow, yeah. And this is how we fly are also playing um, Culture Night. They're playing Serious Arts uh, Arts Centre on Friday. That's a free show in Cork. Yeah. Um, Fair play to Miranda at Serious Arts Centre. We had 
uh, a really exciting project lined up for that week. Um, because it's, it's expensive to bring Nick over from the States and to bring uh, Petter over from Sweden, you know? So we had, a, we had a week of activities planned that unfortunately fell apart at the last minute. So the, I would have them coming over just for Fringe, which isn't ideal from a financial perspective. Um, so Miranda absolutely pulled it out of the bag and said, how about we do something beautiful and small and nice in Sirius and we'll put the guys up for a few nights and they can rehearse in downstairs and then play a gig in the small room in the middle of the room while the audience are around them in a circle and it'll be beautiful and that's actually all booked up so it's totally booked up now already so yeah looking forward to having them over so like I've, I've got two questions for you first of all if you could just say like how the band got together like how did um Quivine know the guys and like how do they rehearse and everything when they're living in... Or how do they... Do they just, like, send stuff via email and stuff? And how did you get involved as manager? Like, were you there from, from the start? No, 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 not at all. So, like I say, this, they got together in 2010. Um, I, was, I was still in UCC in 2010, <laughs> doing commerce, <laughs> wearing Abercrombie T-shirts. But... Um, <laughs> but... Uh, no, so basically, at the Fringe commissioned Quivine to start a band. I can't. I think he he met Petter the drummer on MySpace. They just kind of like MySpace. They, MySpace, yeah, yeah. Like Quivine had some tunes up, and I think Petter had some tunes up, and they got together that way. And I think he met the dancer Nick because they were they both teach at like a fiddle school in the states or something. Uh, but I'm not I'm not sure how he knew uh, Nick, and I'm sure he just knew Sean McIrlain because they're both very well known musicians in in Dublin. Is, is Sean McIrlane brother of Cullum? Uh, isn't it Cullum No, that's Cullum McCumara, isn't oh, it? Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, he is Kevin from my band, Former Monarch's Cousin, though. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Small world. Small country. <laughs> um, so how I came is that this is how we fly, kept touring and doing all this, but there's a lot of admin for any band, particularly a band like This Is How We Fly, where people live in different places. So... At the Kilkenny Arts Fest in 2014, they were talking to a friend of mine and they were saying, oh, we need to get a manager because it's too much work for us. And this friend of mine suggested me and we just kind of rolled with it, you know. So it's just grown from there. So I've been managing them now two years this month and it's great. It's brilliant. Yeah, going from strength, from strength to strength. And how they rehearse then, they don't really when they're all over the gaff. And they all have different things. Quivine's in the gloaming. That takes up loads of his time. Um, Sean Mac uh, does loads of stuff on his own. And the two boys are really uh, busy over in the States and Sweden. But they do come together uh, to write whenever they are touring. Or sometimes, like last January, they came together for 10 days and they went to the Tyrone Guthrie Centre. Did you ever hear that place? No. It's class. It's this old gaff in the middle of nowhere, Monaghan or Fermanagh or somewhere. Tyrone? No, it's not in Tyrone. It's named after Tyrone Guthrie, I think. Oh, okay. Whoever he is. Anyway, he's sound because this place is unreal. So then <laughs> what they do is they give you a room and they give you a music space and you just rehearse and rehearse and, and, and then you can stay in these nice surroundings and they have a staff there who cook you loads of food and it's perfect. So they were there for like a week and it was snowing and they've written their second album now, which I've yet to hear, but I'm sure it's brilliant. Ooh. <laughs> so, so like, are you surprised at how you, how you got to this point is it just a case of you know everything that you've done before which we'll talk about in a bit just kind of coming together and just oh yeah a friend who I know through one of these 
like numerous ventures that I've been involved in was just like, yeah, you should, you should manage them. Um, yeah, so the person who said I should manage them was actually the artistic director of Crash Ensemble, which is my main thing. So, but in terms of when I, how, I, how I ended up getting into it, I suppose I always thought I'd like to work in music in some sort of way, but it's hard, you know, like it's really hard to get your foot in the door. So I just did loads of stuff for free and like ran gigs and then just kept really plugging away until I interviewed for a job and got it, uh, which I was extremely lucky to get because a lot of people went for it. And the only reason I got it really is because I kind of wrote my thesis on Crash Ensemble. <laughs> oh, that, that helps. Um, they were a big part of it. So, yeah, and then from that, then I met all those people. But it's really hard to get in to work in the arts in Ireland, actually. Um, I nearly, I was like, you know, gonna go and work in like, for like O2 or like, uh, went for an interview with Google, actually, I didn't get it and was gutted. <laughs> My life would be totally different now. I'd have, I'd have loads of really nice clothes, I'd say. <laughs> And, and, and live, live in a really nice apartment in the middle of Dublin, you know? <laughs> Work in a really fancy place with, like, sleeping rooms and yeah. everything. They had, a, they had like, a, a band... They have, like, a band room in there with, like, a piano and, like, orange amps and stuff. Yeah, it would have been, would have been totally different. But I'm, I'm glad now, like... And are they... Is it used, like, that room? I don't know. Yeah. Like I say, I, they, they obviously didn't like me, so I, as I was there, only there for a brief afternoon. <laughs> one, one day I'll find out if that band room is used. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, but it, it is hard, actually. It is just for for people who really want to get into it. It's 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 hard to. It's one of these things that Ireland is small, and it's it, one of these kind of who you know more than how good you are in loads of ways. Obviously, if you're really good, you're gonna you're gonna get wherever you want to get. But like, it's just hard because it's small and the, it's hard to find work, particularly outside of Dublin, uh, and. But for any people who try to get into it, I mean, I just did, I just did whatever I could, like for free, and did this, that, and the other, ran gigs, got involved in stuff, and eventually I got a job. You know? Yeah. So, like, would would you be averse to, like, you would be averse to working for free again in the arts? But like, would you recommend it to someone who like comes to you like just out of school or just out of college, and they were like, how do I like get involved with any? How do I get paid for my music? You just like, you've just got to, you know give years to it and just work for free and then eventually like someone will offer you money there is money to be had uh well there's not a lot of money to be had <laughs> are, are you talking about from a creative point of view or from like a more um like production or just generally being in the industry are you actually speaking about like if a musician came to me and said that mm, I, I would say musician but um i don't i don't know that many people kind of working behind the scenes i guess yeah. so so either or really maybe um, maybe the the latter behind the scenes yes yeah. I'm actually a big advocate of musicians working and making their music in their own time until they can make it. That's what I'd be an advocate for. Um, to be like, a full-time musician is super hard if you're, if you're not getting a lot of gigs or if you're starting out. And if you're not touring internationally. Totally. Well. I, would, I would never do that. I, I think that would be awful. But then some people would love it. But it's not easy, you know, and there's millions of amazing musicians who have never gotten to tour internationally, and that's not their fault. They could be amazing. Sometimes it's a rub of the green, you know. I don't know what I'd say. I mean, I don't know if what I'd have, have to say would be much use to them, like. <laughs> well, it's, it's silenced, if nothing else. Don't, don't listen to me, kids. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, just, like, 
I guess um, the Crash Ensemble. How did you get involved in that? You're a director there, is it? No, I'm the I'm the concerts manager with them. So I just work on their gigs. So yeah, that's the job I applied for and got. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So they. Yeah, like I say, I just threw a CV in. I remember I didn't even nearly nearly even do it. I just got her like a reminder on my phone, and it was like. Uh, the deadline to throw in your CVs now, and I was like, oh Jesus, because I was down in West Cork, so I was like, I'm gonna have to grab the laptop and go down to the cafe, where the only place where there's Wi-Fi, and then upload it, and, and it was lashing outside, and I was like, oh, will I bother? But I did bother, and thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. They've, pretty much everything that I've done um, for work uh, in the arts in Ireland or whatever, it it's all stems from, from being involved in Crash. They're very nurturing, they're brilliant. Yeah, and like they've been running for like longer than you've been involved with them, obviously. Like um, twenty years um, next 20 year. Twenty years, wow. Next year, yeah. They were founded by Donica Dennehy uh, twenty years ago. Who's he's one of Ireland's best known composers. Um, yeah. So next year is our twentieth anniversary. And so, what was your thesis on? Um, my thesis was on. Uh, it was called bringing classical music to the mainstream incorporating electronics into classical composition, which is what Crash do all the time. Yeah. So, you know, they might, they were one of the first groups, they were definitely the first people in Ireland, some of the first people in Europe to like, they're like, they, when I say classical music, they don't play Beethoven and Mozart. They play contemporary classical music, some of which is totally off the wall and could be like a lot of people rubbing sheets off the table. There is a piece that they play where it's just a load of sheets thrown <laughs> on the table. It's actually a really nice piece. But then, and are you just like, lads, what are you doing? No, no that's not me to say that, you know? Um, that's, not, that's not my job. I just got to make sure that they turn up. But um, <laughs> then they, they also uh, play with electronics a lot. There could be a lot of electronic patches in the music. Um, they play with um, a lot of pop and rock musicians. Um, so like one minute we could be doing a very obscure uh, piece by, you know, by whoever. Um, and then the next we could be doing a gig with Katie Kim or doing a recording with Lisa Hannigan or something like that, you know? So it's really cool and really varied that way as well. And the, there was one event that um, caught my eye earlier in the year. I think it was around the time of the, the 1916 centenary stuff that like, there was a collaboration with um, Colm Tobin. Yeah. That must have been cool. So cool. So that was Colm Tobin and Donica Dennehy, the founder. Colm wrote the words, Donica wrote the music. And it turned into this piece on about Robert Casement called The Dark Places. And it is a magnificent piece of music. Yeah. So they performed it once in the National Concert Hall. They're performing it again in Belfast in October. Um, yeah, it was so cool. I mean, I only kind of got to hang out with him at, like for like a minute. I was like, hi, Colm, how are you? He had these cool glasses that you... that that kind of are magnetized in the center, you know? So like, instead of taking off your glasses from each side of your ear, it like clips on at the your nose. It was mad, it blew my mind. I was like, only Colm Tobin really can make this look so cool. <laughs> I, I, I don't really understand like, like, it. Are they on his ears? Yeah, they're on his ears, but it comes apart at your nose as, as opposed to, like you don't fold, like, oh, like, okay, like okay, it's like yeah. two halves and it clicks together then at your nose. Oh, it was mad. I love that it's this amazing, bespoke experience and that's what you're like. <laughs> he had these mad glasses. Lads. They were so cool. They were so cool. <laughs> when, when my eyes start, starts going, I'm going to be getting one of them. Yeah. So, so like, are you kind of responsible for finding the site or the venue that suits Crash Ensemble or are you just responsible for kind of booking, you know, who they work with or something like that? 
So what happens with Crash is normally people come to us and say, will you do this show, will you do this show, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then there's an artistic discussion with the artistic director, who's our cellist, Kate Ellis, and our CEO, who's Neva Elliott, and then whoever else is running the gigs. Neva will discuss a fee or how much will cost. Uh, Kate discusses the repertoire that we'll play. And then when all that's done, then it comes to me. And then I see what music has to be bought. You know, you have to buy the sheet music or rent it, hire it from the, from the publisher. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's how, that's how composers make their music, really, or make their money, really. Um, so, and then I have to look at the instrumentation and see if I have to book any players. Like, I, I have to tie down the players to those dates. Uh, we have 10 core players, but there's loads of times where some of them can't make it all the time because, you know, they have loads of other stuff going on. So then I'll have to book the players, do up a schedule, and then do all the logistics, like travel, hotels, like in our core players. We have two players who live in London. Uh, we, our conductor is, is American. He lives in New York. So you're bringing him over and back. And then, you know, so they're kind of based all over the place. So I'm very much, I get the, like when everything's been organized and like agreed, then it comes into me and I just do the, do, do the management of the gig, basically. That's, that's it. I mean, it's very varied. It depends. Yeah. That would be like a typical crash gig, but it's very, it's very varied. And like, have, has it kind of gotten easier to kind of open it up? two audiences in the past couple of years just like say with the success of you know cigarettes or bands like that who kind of use instrumentation anyway the like audiences ears are kind of already open to it yeah i totally think that and i also think that the new um wave of composers uh, are way more into mainstream stuff as well as contemporary classical stuff you know yeah. um there's some amazing composers that were in like bands uh and you know would be would be very into the mainstream side of things, as well as the more academic. We'll say I'm doing I'm doing a, a, a quotation marks there with air quotes, which doesn't translate over over uh, audio. But yeah, no, totally. I think that that has helped a lot. And but Crash are very open-minded in that we aren't a bit snobby about the type of music that we play or anything. You know, as long as it's really really good and high quality playing, which is what Crash are known for. Um, we'd be open to a lot of suggestions. But I think very much Irish composers, the next generation of Irish composers are a lot more aware of bands, for example, using your example, Sigaros, or a lot of them listen to techno. A load of contemporary classical composers listen to techno. Like actually heavy techno? I don't know. There was, there, I had to interview six young composers for this uh, gig that Crash were doing. And yeah, they're all like, yeah, I'm kind of into techno as well, yeah. And I'm like, that's cool. I, so am I. <laughs> and so they're like writing the sheet music for like um, violins and all of, all of the mad, the mad yeah. orchestra stuff? Yeah, yeah, totally. Music is music, really. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Music shouldn't be defined by genre or what. Or, you know, oh, you're into techno, so you can't write classical yeah. music. Or, oh, you used to love Metallica, so why are you writing piano stuff now? Yeah. Do you know? So, you know. It's all about the challenge as well of it. Like, you know, the players don't want to keep playing the same stuff too, I, I expect. Yeah, totally. Um, again, they're very open. They, they, they just play the dots that are in front of them really, really well, you know? And they're very professional about it. Uh, we take it very seriously. I mean, we have a lot of crack, um, but we take it very seriously. The players are, f are fantastic um, in Crash Ensemble. And like we do a lot, like I said, we could be doing a very obscure thing one day, we could be working with a pop artist the next day. We are the band for, we're trying, like we've been 
getting involved in theatre more and more in that we've been the band for like an opera um, and we did a big thing in, in Galway there for the Arts Festival where we had four musicians like on stage as part of this kind of wide-ranging theatre and dance music show. So we're getting more, again, open-minded, you know? Yeah, it's cool. It's great. It's a great laugh. That's good that you still enjoy it. Yeah, totally. Jeez, I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. It's, um, yeah, we're all totally 100% behind it. Um, and so another thing that you uh, were involved in this year was tour manager for the, I'm going to say Icelandic band, Samaris. Yeah. You, you were responsible for their um, European tour that they did in June, I think. Was it mid-June? Yeah, it was all of June, really. Uh, yeah, Samaris, they're Icelandic. Uh, Three-piece, a clarinet player, vocalist, and uh, a producer. They're my mates anyway. They actually have quite strong ties to Cork. They're always coming back to Ireland in general, but like a lot to Cork. Um, Brendan Canty and Cullum O'Hurley, he brought them over about three or four years ago. And they became really good mates, and we, all int- we were all introduced to them through them. And... Basically, they asked me to tour manage the European tour, so I did that. Again, it was more facilitating the, the logistical side of things, booking the rental cars, booking the flights, booking a hotel in each venue. Um, you know, you have to work with the booking agent then, because then the booking agent is the person who books the gigs, and then you have to work with their manager, who oversees the booking agent and everything. And then you have to contact each individual venue and do a tech spec and a recce and this, that, and the other. You know? So basically, you want the band to just be able to be told where they're going. You, like, you write out an itinerary for them and it says where they're supposed to be at every minute for the whole month. So then they turn up and they, so they can just focus on doing their art and doing a good show and selling loads of merch. <laughs> and so is, is there kind of bureaucracy kind of involved in there is it kind of like frustrating if you're like trying to get an answer and you know you have to go through this person to get onto this person or is or did it run pretty smoothly um, they have a really on the ball manager he's he's excellent on really quick on the phone really quick on the email so like everything runs through their manager and then I'd be cc'd in on stuff that was tour related but like once the tour is over and I put in the budget or I put in the profit and loss or whatever and sign off and all that like you know, you're just given a fee to be a tour manager, whereas the manager gets a percentage of everything. Like, he's their ongoing guy. Kind of what I am to this is how we fly. Um, no, it wasn't frustrating, really. Like, one thing is that the venues on the continent are just so much more on the ball than the venues in the UK. And I don't think that's the fault of the venues in the UK. It's just the venues in, on the continent are so much better funded than Ireland or the UK. Yeah. They have, like, government funding. The backstage areas are brilliant. They cook for you. There's really good sound. There's loads of staff. And then in the UK, they're really just scrambling to break even, you know? Like, the band got paid so much better in, um, in Europe than they did in the UK. And that's the way it is. That's the way it is for bands everywhere. I mean, ask any Irish band who tours internationally, they'll tell you the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it wasn't a small um, tour either that, that you were doing. Like, you were pretty much away for the whole month. Like, and it was Italy, Germany... Uh, France, and I don't know, was Switzerland in there as well? Yeah, no, we didn't go to Italy, actually. It was the UK, UK, Belgium, Holland, Denmark, Germany, Austria, Switzerland and France. Yes, pretty extensive, like. Was was that kind of your first experience on that scale? Like, working with all of these, like, other managers and stuff, and, like, away for so long and driving the bus and everything? On that scale, yeah. Um, when you're on tour with Crash, you're normally in the one place. 
So for example, we were in Edinburgh for a month that, doing an opera, but that was like in Edinburgh for the month, you know? And same with London, and same with the States, and same with Europe. So yeah, it was, it was the first time on that scale. But I mean, if, if it's all, it all goes kind of plain sailing as long as you have the main things booked, you know? As long as you get the car and the hotels are booked, then you just gotta make sure morale is high. And seeing as we were all mates anyway, I, now I didn't know the sound engineer beforehand, but he turned out to just be the nicest guy on earth. So it was just so great. And like, sometimes they'd just, like all the four of them would just start like bickering in Icelandic, so I could just kind of zone out, it was great. <laughs> and I could sometimes hear the band in the background, they'd be giving out to each other and I'd be going to the tour, or the sound engineer, I'm like, what are they saying? And he's like, oh dude, you're so lucky you can't speak Icelandic, they're being so annoying. <laughs> So, so like, um, was there any kind of good stories or bad stories involved on the tour? Like, uh, you know, just, I don't know, getting lost or something like that? Any, any good stories? It was a very smooth tour. I really wish I had loads of stories, but I don't. <laughs> um, we, like, they're very professional and, like, we, there wouldn't be, like, it's not like, it's not like drinking and partying every night, you know? Like, there's a few beers for sure, but, like, it's nothing major because you've got to get up and do this, like, 24, 25 days in a row. We did go out, we had a Saturday night off in Glasgow and we went mad in this really sweaty, disgusting club and it was just brilliant. <laughs> and then the next day I was walking around Glasgow and I got a sandwich and I was walking down the main street in Glasgow and a seagull swooped down on my shoulder and took my sandwich. Wow. That's, that's, that's my main memory of the whole tour actually. <laughs> Keep away from those damn seagulls. They're such pricks. <laughs> Glasgow. Se- se- second time that's happened to me, it happened to me about three years ago on Grafton Street as well. I, I, I will never eat a sandwich outside now, like. I, it was another sandwich? It was, a, it was another sandwich, like. One of those, like, crappy, like, uh, Centra sandwiches. Like, oh, so, well, sorry, Centra or Mace or Super Value or, you know, <laughs> one of those type of packaged Hamachi sandwiches. They're mad for it, and I'm not going to eat one outside anymore. Are you, are you getting, like, bird feed or something in the sandwich out there? I don't know. But he was huge as well, like. He was the size of a cow. <laughs> I wasn't going to stay and fight him. <laughs> I was just take the sandwich. I'm from Glasgow as well, he's probably super hard. He could have been a ranger supporter, you know? <laughs> I just got out of Dodge. Um, and, and so, like, this tour, is that just something that you can kind of put on your CV and that you can, like, you know, send, send to other people if you wanted to be a tour manager? Or is it just kind of like you know, Samaris would recommend you to another band or like one of their agents or managers would recommend you to another band like John did a really good job. That's how it goes, yeah. Um, and again, in, in, this, in this thing, you just kind of have to, yeah, they, they might recommend me to somebody or, and if, when I wanted to know, you know, sh- should I be ticking all the boxes, there was a guy who, that's a manager, um, a Scottish manager, who gave a talk at Iceland Airwaves last year, and he was amazing. He's a tour manager and a manager. I went up, started chatting to him, got his email, got his number, and like, when I, I just emailed him, being like, with both tour managing and when I'm managing my own band, and I'm like, hey, should I be covering this box? And he's like, yeah, this is how you do it. Because he's like 15, 20 years older than me, and he's been around the block, and he's just so open with his time. Um, so that's one guy, you know, just literally to send him an email like once every six months and be like, hey, uh, this is what I'm doing and I'm confused. Have you done this before? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'd do that. It's fine. Yeah. So that kind of way. It's not like there's a LinkedIn for that, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit more obscure. It's a bit, there's a, it's just a, just a strange one, you know, but it's, it's grand. Maybe there should be a LinkedIn for musicians. That sounds like something that would be really handy. I think, I think uh, my mate, Barry Ronane, like, came, like wanted to do that idea, but... 
he hasn't done it yet, so I'll ask him now later on why he hasn't done it yet. Trademark it, trademark it, quick. <laughs> um, so, just your relationship with Iceland. I know, like, even in the past six months, it's just been so much talk of, um, like, Samaras, Jofridur, who's the, the singer in Samaras, um, just kind of their relationship with Ireland and, like, uh, th- there was a recent Ireland Icelandic type tour in Ireland, like Talos, playing with a couple of bands, including Jofridur. Like, do you kind of see a relationship between the two um, styles of music, or the two types of people who play those music, or do you think that it's just uh, they just kind of sound like Iceland and Ireland? Um, so, yeah, I think there's a huge link between Iceland and Ireland. Um, as well as all you mentioned, like there was a cover story on Totally Dublin um, a few months ago on the link between, specifically between Reykjavik and Cork, um, with Yo- with Jofiedler on the cover, um, featuring herself, uh, Sam McNichol from Connolly's of Let, and because she was staying down there, I think there's a big link. The two countries are very similar. We're two small island nations off, uh, you know, off the north coast of Europe. We are both Celtic to a certain extent. Like they're like 50% Celtic because they were populated by the Vikings and brought over their Irish slave wives. <laughs> so um, uh, we're both quite insular, and the people are very similar in both countries. Uh, I think Reykjavik and Cork are the two most similar cities I've ever been yeah. to. Yeah, I think if there ever was. My boss was only saying the other day in Crash Office, she was like, "They should be twinned." Like, and I was like, "Yeah, they bloody well should be." Someone should get on that. So. Uh, in terms of music, no, I don't think there's much similarity music-wise, but there is a lot of links. And again, Samaras coming over and embedding themselves um, here, that was just the main thing because they came over, because Brendan and Cullen brought them over. And they got on so well and they became friends. So then they started coming over more for trips and gigs and all that. So Cullen and Brendan did a lot for that. Uh, to the extent now where Cullen, who worked with Feel Good Lost with Brendan, is now actually living in Reykjavik and is the label manager of Bedroom Community Records. So he is the label manager of Bedroom Community, which is a record label of Crash Ensemble. <laughs> all right. So it, it just all come, it's all interlinked, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's gas, really, when you think about it, you know? Because I'm emailing Colm about, like, the album cover, like, Crash of a new album coming out on October 14th. Oh. And... Um, like, I, we're doing all these emails about covers, and it's all, like, you know, everyone's CC'd, and it's all very professional, and then we're just, like, talking shite on Facebook the next about nonsense. So it's just, it's kind of cool. <laughs> um, well, there's two things there, I guess. Like, do you get to go over to Iceland uh, a lot now? Like, have you been there a lot, and, like, you've, you've seen everything as well as seeing Reykjavik? No, I haven't seen everything. I do go there a lot, but I haven't seen everything as well as Reykjavik. I've only been to the south. Um, I haven't seen that much. It's unreal, like. Yeah. But uh, in terms of, like, have I, do I go there a lot? Yeah, I'm going there in November. Um, I go there every year for Iceland Airwaves, which is a brilliant festival. Uh, and I'm actually going, but I normally just go as a punter, you know, kind of having a laugh. Uh, but Crash are playing this year. Oh, okay. So I'm actually going over with Crash. Because we're doing a big, Belgian community are 10 years old this year. And they have a big, like, showcase event. So we're going to be part of that. So that'll be cool. And I think I might stay then for a few days and go for a drive around the country with Sam from Connolly's and Keelan from Southern Hospitality Board. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, like, how does Icelandic Airwaves compare to, like, a festival over here? Like, I guess, uh, yeah, just, like, 
electric picnic or something like that? Well, is there a comparison? No, because it's well, I've never been to electric picnic. Never, <laughs> wow. I know, yeah. Um, or an other festival that you've been to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's 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 an indoor festival in that it's not it's not like you're camping. It's Iceland in November. You know what I mean? Um, so it's like if you want to put it in like a Cork perspective. It would be like, there's a band on in the Savoy, there's a band on in the Triscoll, there's a band on in the TDC, there's a band on in the Kino, all at the same time, and like that's happening all night, and then like you stay in hostels, Airbnbs, Airbnbs, or hotels, you know? And is there much um, queuing up for the venues or anything Absolutely like that? Absolutely loads, yeah. Oh, really? So much queuing. Now, if you have a, like I, I normally have like, a, you, get, you get like an industry pass, uh, and you're still queuing a bit, but you queue way less than if you don't have an industry pass. Um, loads of queuing like you you'd want to bring you want to bring your favorite uh, hat and scarf like you know <laughs> so like i guess most people are just kind of like ah, just stay here for the night you know it's the easiest thing that happens loads of times yeah or like if you see people who you know you'll never get into you wouldn't even bother like i didn't even bother queuing for um the knife's last gig oh yeah because i was like i'm not gonna get in like so i went to see Future Islands, who I despised before I saw them live, and now I love them, and Caribou, which was the gig at the festival. This is two years ago. So then I just stayed there all night, you know? I didn't really know who Caribou was, but I just stayed. Uh, because it's Baltic, like, you know? <laughs> you don't want to be walking. The town is the size, it's the size of Cork. Yeah. Um, and literally, because it's the size of Cork, and because I'm not good at estimations, but because like one million people from Cork go there every year for, for airwaves, it's like being in Cork. You know, I remember walking down the road to go to a gig and seeing like Gary Myler from the G-Man and being like, all right, boy, how's it going? And then like turning around the corner and seeing Ashling, uh, who runs shows, you know, from the Southern Hospitality Board. And I'm like, all right, Ash. And then like, it's bumping into Cullen. It's kind of, kind of ridiculous, really. Like, what's your look? It's all part of it. I just wanted to ask you about um, the album that you're doing with uh, Crash Ensemble. What's, what's involved there? Is it just like a, a slew of live recordings that you've done? Or did you say that they were covers? Did I say that they were what? Uh, covers of songs. So basically, like, Crash don't write music. Oh, okay. Like, they're, they're, an, they're like a group that pe- pe- we commission people to write for Crash. No, they're not, they're not live. They are, we recorded the album in Windmill Lane Studios in Dublin in last year. It's two pieces it's two pieces by Icelandic composer Valgir Sigurdsson again linking the two countries a lot two pieces that he wrote for us um, there's a piece by an American composer called Nico Muli and there's a piece by an Irish composer founder of Crash Donica Dennehy so it's those four pieces are going to be on the album which is named after the title track uh, it's called Ghosts and it's out on the 14th of October on Bedroom Community I think it's the 14th of October but yeah, in the round there, like. Okay, so soon enough. Yeah. Soon enough, more, more PR for that then. Yeah, oh, that'll be, I mean, yeah, it, it, I'm really looking forward to it. I haven't heard the finished recordings yet. Um, oh, wow, really? Yeah, I haven't. I mean, the, the artistic director has, Kate has, and she's okayed everything, and I'm, I presume the conductor has. Um, but yeah, I haven't heard it, so I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be wicked. Um, and Crash haven't put, an out, put out an album in a while, maybe 2011. They did Grogus Boss with Earl O'Leonard. Um, yeah, so they've that album coming out, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of PR and stuff around that. Hopefully, there will be. Um, and so, like, 
this is everything that you're kind of doing backstage or, you know, kind of the unseen stuff, but you also play music as well. I saw that you're down as playing piano on Freezer Room, um, which is like a new, I don't know if you can tell me a little bit about it, but it's like uh, two lads and it seems like they've almost curated this this project. Uh, they've just released a, a single online featuring uh, Joe O'Leary from people will know from from Fred who also wrote the song so was it just a case of they knew you played piano and just asked you to uh to play yeah so freezer room is Graham White mainly from the shades is that the name of the band I think that's the name yeah so he is basically he he has a studio in Monkstown in Cork and he just said oh he which which has a piano in it and he was like oh listen I'm doing I'm writing this album there's different people on each track you should come down and jam out. So he sent me the song. I thought it was bloody great. So I went down there and uh, put down the piano for it. Literally just started started having, doing some ideas. Um, I recorded loads and then he put in what he wanted and left out what he didn't want. And yeah, it's actually a great song. It was released this week. Yeah. Um, I think Dan Hegarty played it on 2FM. Uh, he premiered it and like... Who doesn't want to hear Joe O'Leary singing tunes again? Yeah. Like, you know, they're they're like Fred, was, are the soundtrack to my youth. Like they're they're my favorite Irish band, maybe band. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they they are something else, and yeah, to play piano on a tune with Joe's unreal. <laughs> like, but like I did the piano in Monkstown, and I presume Joe recorded it down in Levis's in his pub in Ballyhob. With I think Graham went down with a load of recording equipment. So yeah, freezer room is Graham's baby, and he's just. Um, yeah, collaborates with all different people. So fair play to him, like. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like a, a big effort, and uh, they're talking about bringing out an album. You, you haven't, you only played on that track, was it? Um, I think uh, did I play in another one? I can't remember. It was so long ago. Uh, no, there will be an album out, and it will be wicked. Because I mean, I've heard the demos of them, and they're class. Cool. I think I did play piano on another one, with like strings or something. But again, it was ages ago, so I can't remember. Was it was it kind of nice to, to play music again? Like, is is there other projects that you're involved in where you're where you're actually playing music rather than just kind of managing or being backstage? No, not really. Which sucks. I say it. It's my New Year's resolution every year. It's like, oh, I gotta get back to just like being in a band, like you know, even just playing rock music for the laugh or doing some piano stuff or getting back to doing that kind of stuff. I just don't have the time, like. Yeah. But, but it will happen, definitely. It will happen. Like, I'm going to be, like, I'm going to be playing tunes till I'm an old fella, but it's just, for the last year or so, I'm just taking a break from it and, like, pursuing, like, career stuff, and then we'll see. But I am, I suppose there is one thing that I've been doing on and off is that I'm playing keys for Keelan Sherlock, his solo project. So, yeah. I've done a few gigs with him and we have a few gigs in the pipeline but that's very much like he is the songwriter he does all that and then he, he forms the band you know? so I'm not like writing music I'm playing with him but it's great because he's, he's, his songs are really really good his solo stuff is class it's class I've heard so far. yeah it's brilliant and it's great fun to play piano on uh, something a bit poppy like you know just a, yeah. like, something a bit fun and happy and miserable and you know it's cool <laughs> and something that I mentioned at the start was just kind of you know being around all of these creative people and everything like does it does it kind of inspire you is there like a moment every day where you're like oh, I wish I was you know up on stage or I wish that I was jamming away with them or does it just kind of give you um, kind of juice for, for the next 
thing that you want to do yourself? Um, no, not really. Like, I'd hate to be a professional musician. <laughs> oh, I really? Think it's really hard. I think it's really hard. I really admire them. Like, I think it's really hard. So, no, I don't want to be on stage. Um, uh, yeah, I love being on stage, like, playing in bands to, like, small crowds for the laugh. But, like, not necessarily to be doing a professional capacity. Yeah. Being surrounded by creative people is... Yeah, I'm very lucky. Um, most of the people that you interview are also, like, surrounded by creative people all the time. And it's... Um, yeah, it's inspiring. That pe- people have, uh, uh, most of these people kind of have a left of centre or kind of um, just kind of refreshing take on things. And a lot of them are doers and a lot of them are problem solvers because, like, again, it's not really a black and white way to go about things, creativity in general. So uh, in terms of, like, fueling stuff, I don't think so. But I'm definitely very lucky to be able to hang out with, uh, uh, you know, intelligent, articulate, creative people. It's... Uh, a nice way to spend your time. Do you kind of see them kind of thinking along the same way? I know it's a stupid question. It probably is a stupid question. Just like, you know, in terms of the way Samaras think about, you know, making a song or what they do live. Is, it, is there similarities to be drawn between that and say like what the Crash guys do as well? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, like there's, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it doesn't matter if you went to a, a conservatoire and are a classical musician and can read, sight read, dots incredibly fast or if you're an electronic musician who can't read music like it's all it's all creativity and you can totally see similarity there um, totally like without a doubt it, it, again going back to it like music is music you know um, some of it's great some of it's bad some stuff that I think is bad other people think is great some stuff that I think is great other people think is bad they probably shouldn't but they do so you know no, totally. You, you can see similarities across genres from all the... Because I work, you know, in a good few genres. Like, um, you can totally see the similar brain, you know, workings of, say, an electronic musician or a singer-songwriter or an orchestral musician. Totally. I mean, there's different processes to get to the end result. I mean, like I say, you know, Crasher and Str- are booked to play someone else's music and they play it really well and then the band have been in a rehearsal room so it's different processes but you can definitely make similarities between them for sure yeah cool um i think that that's pretty much everything that um we can fit in really we could we could go on for probably another half an hour about other things that you're involved with but at the moment you still, you've barely had any of your sausage roll like so we should probably wrap it up <laughs> Yeah, I've just been eyeing up that sausage roll on the table. <laughs> so, Bleed and This Is How We Fly at the Dublin Fringe Festival over the next uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, crash of two shows in the National Concert Hall as well as part of Composing the Island, which is a, a joint RTE National Concert Hall thing on the last 100, 100 or 200 or so years of classical music in Ireland. So we're doing a show on the 20th and the 24th in the Concert Hall. And then an album coming out for Crash Ensemble um, around the middle of October. Yeah, and then we're going to Airways. And for anyone in Cork, we're doing uh, the Engage Arts Festival down in Bandon. Um, we're doing a show with Adrian Crowley one night and a show with Katie Kim the next night. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> See, just laying that all on us right at the end. Oh, man. Yeah, it's cool. We're going to Holland with Adrian Crowley as well in November. So it's class, yeah. Thanks very much for uh, having a chat. That was great fun. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you.
Well, like, it's just a nice way to spend a Saturday evening, you know? Yeah. Afternoon, I should say. Sorry. Yeah. And we managed to get through it without mentioning uh, Manchester United's defeat to Manchester City. Well, we just mentioned it there now. But look, you and me are in quite high spirits as United fans. Um, we'll take the positives that come with it. Take the positives. John Pearson, thanks a million, and best of luck with everything. Thanks a million, on. <laughs> and thanks a lot for tuning in, folks. Until next time, I've been Owen Sullivan, and that was the point of everything.